All right. Welcome to another expert interview. Really excited for today's guest. Uh, as always, let's jump straight into it. Why don't you tell everyone who you are, what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Andrew Barrow. I uh, essentially run a digital uh, advertising agency uh, in the greater Los Angeles area. Awesome, man. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're hustling and bustling and always doing some cool stuff. So appreciate you taking time to talk to us and share some information. Let's talk trends. What's trending in your industry? By far, the biggest thing that's trending in the industry is data. Everyone's talking about data. They're trying to understand what to do. How do they leverage that? You know, how much money do you need to spend on it? And in reality, it's actually a, it's, all, it's sort of a moving and fast evolving um, subject but it's actually fairly simple once you really dive into what that data is. So any takeaways or tips or things that maybe someone could, should, should research if that's something they're looking into? Absolutely. So the biggest thing to research is what's your CRM. So getting into your CRM, your customer database, what, what you want, whatever you want to call it, understanding how your customers think and feel and the data that they're providing you is going to be crucial because you basically need that in order to really scale your business. So if you're like, if you have like a handful of customers, you can glean an insane amount of insight into that just by getting a little bit of information. How did they get to your website? What was the flow? What was the advertising like that ultimately drove in there? Was it search? Was it social? What, what were you doing within that? And then how are you expanding that out? Awesome. Love when you can get in the information and when you're playing in digital, there's so much more information that you can get. So I think you're right. It is something people need to pay attention to when it comes to making a move in the digital space. If I'm a small to medium business and I'm looking to go digital or expand my digital, where do I start? There's so many avenues. So like, what's that conversation look like? What should I consider? So the first thing you need to consider is your audience. So if you're talking like you have, you have, most people are coming to your site or most people are coming to your service. Um, actually, you should take a step back from that. It's what is your digital presence? So let's start there. Like if you have a website, is it up to date? Is it look clean? Is How is it functioning? How's it flowing? The biggest thing that I think a lot of people make a mistake of is I'm just going to throw up some website and have little information and then just go, you know, have a little bit of a Yelp page and just move on from there. That is a terrible idea. You should really sort of invest into using anything like a Squarespace or uh, uh, any of the other players, even a card, um, and make sure it's enough depth of information that really sort of appeals, that's visually stunning. And from that, you're able to essentially have that face, that voice online. Then from there, people go, okay, you're a legitimate business, I can talk to you. Because the thing is, everyone, every single person will go, all right, I really am excited to talk to you about your business. Let me Google it first. And if you have no presence or if you're just on Yelp, but you have no control of it, no one's going to come to your, no one's going to come to your business. And that's the, that's a big problem. Then from there, um, the next step would be looking at uh, marketing and advertising. Specifically, uh, when it comes to advertising, then you sort of build what's called a, a personality profile of your ideal consumer have a couple different hypotheses on who those people are, and then think about how they flow online, how they interact, and where's the point in which you believe you can, you're most likely to achieve conversion. I love it, man. There's so many little, little snippets in there too, right? So I like that you took a step back to the website, and I think that's an important conversation, right? If we're going to go online, where are we driving traffic and what do we expect them to do? And I think often business owners don't think that far through the process. Because it doesn't matter if you're driving a ton of impressions if they don't convert. It doesn't matter if you're driving website hits if they don't stay on your site. Like your bounce rate's 99%, right? Which bounce rate, for those of you who don't understand, means someone comes to your website and leaves before they take an action. It's one of the statistics I'd love to look at on websites. Because if my bounce rate on a website is 90 plus percent, that means it doesn't matter how well you rank and how much traffic you're getting because the traffic is doing nothing. Yeah, and that's a that's a bigger thing is that if your bounce rate is really, really, really high, you're actually going to start falling in the ranking because Google doesn't want to send traffic there because they're going like, hey, everyone's going there and immediately bouncing out. So you, you might have been able to initially achieve some sort of success with, you know, your optimization, which is called uh, SEO, your search engine optimization by like tagging it and putting enough in 
the metadata or you paid for a service, which don't pay for a service, but uh, <laughs> in which they're like, oh, we'll automate it for you. And let's say you hacked your way into the top 10, the first front page. If Google can tell that people are bouncing a lot, they're going to drop you back to page 30 and you'll never get traffic again. And the other thing is that what's the point of having, I got a million hits on my site not a single soul converted. Well, then that's a big waste of time for a million people. So you need to start thinking through. It's like, all right, let me get at least a handful to convert. And how, what is that conversion like? It's sort of the, uh, would you rather have, you know, a million people uh, stop by your site, but one converts or, or 30 people stop on your site and they all convert. I love that. And, and it's critical. You know, it was interesting. I was talking to, uh, video marketing specialist, his expert interview will be going up. And that was the conversation, right? Where are those conversion metrics? W what's your objective? And then how do you track your cost per objective or cost per conversion or cost per call or cost per whatever the hell you want to call it, right? Depending on your metric. But like, can we actually track that? Because to your point, if we're spending a ton of money in the ad agency we're using or the marketing or digital firm we're using is giving us these fancy statistics, at the end of the day, what really matters, I mean, your business, right? You hired a marketing agency to grow revenue. <laughs> so at the end of the day, if, you're, if your top line's not moving due to marketing efforts, I don't know why you're spending money on marketing efforts. Exactly. And that's the other thing is you might eventually, let's say you do have a decent amount of money and you're like, I'm going to hire this ad agency or this marketing firm to help. The thing you need to look at is they'll go, hey, what we're going to focus on something. We'll focus on a, what's called media KPI. And it's like, well, what is the key indicator that's going to be driving success? And they'll just focus on that. That's, you want to be aware of that because they don't really care about the bottom line. Uh, and that's where you really need to look at other firms that are a little bit more focused on the actual revenue itself and who's actually focused on driving your actual bottom line. Because the last thing you want is, hey, we were able to get all these metrics that look great, but my bottom line remained the same. So a common problem and some, some, a big pitfall for most uh, small medium businesses is that when you're out in, uh, you know, shopping for uh, a service and you're like, well, I want to work with these guys or these guys or these guys, they might be like, hey, we can achieve this amazing success rate. But if they're like, hey, we generated all these conversions, but your overall revenue is flat, they're just taking credit for something that was going to occur anyways. And that's a big pitfall is falling into that trap of like focusing too much on media metrics and not enough on your actual bottom line. Such good advice there. And you talked about another thing there that I like, which is you got to understand where you're starting, right? And I think so often people run into marketing or sales expansion. Typically, I don't want to say typically, but I hear the conversation a lot where it's because right? Revenue is flat, right? Or it's stalled, or we're looking for a way to expand. Well, if that's the case, we need to understand what are our base metrics, right? Like how many deals do we close today with today's efforts? And if you don't have a clear picture of that, and you don't understand your, you know, life, your life cycle of a client, your client lifetime value, right? If you don't understand those metrics, again, it's going to be really hard to go spend money on marketing and know, did it have a positive impact? Or did your revenue increase because your current client base bought more services, right? Like we yeah. need to know the difference so that if we're doing marketing, there's a return. Right. And the other thing is uh, to avoid, um, if you don't, uh, one of the biggest ones is if you don't understand something within digital marketing or advertising or something, ask, like, don't feel weird about asking for help or asking for what's this metric even mean? Or what does, this, what does any of this mean? Uh, I, I will give one scenario and I will not say the name of the very, very well-known streaming service still shocks me to today that I worked on. Um, it was an account I worked on and pitched, uh, all the way back in 2013, but I kid you not the head of digital marketing literally asked me what is a click. And so I had to explain it's when you depress the mouse and like push and it makes like on an ad and they're like, oh, okay, that totally makes sense. And I, so if that is sort of the bottom for like a, a so-called expert, just understand no questions off limits. And the other thing is the worst thing you can do is try to pretend you know what you're doing because you'll either throw too much money, good money after bad or you'll end up actually making things worse. 
Um, I, a lot of times I'll see, uh, even in large scale agencies, like the, you know, the interpublics of the world or what have you, they'll have a lot of experts internally who don't really necessarily know what they're talking about. And they'll be in a situation where like, okay, I'm, you know, kind of pitch this idea and they're pitching it based on an idea. There's no actual grounding in the truth. And so, you know, that gets them into trouble. And then there's always some sort of issue around that. What you really need to focus in on is what do I know and what do I not know? And if you don't know something, just ask. And it's an industry that's impossible to know everything. Like it's moving so fast. There's so many avenues in it, in marketing as a whole, but especially when you go digital, like you've got to pay attention and it's okay to ask, like why Facebook pixel? Where do I use it? Why do I use it? That whole conversation, that's a whole conversation, right? Oh, yeah. Or, oh, algorithms change. How important is that? What actually changed? Does it actually impact? I'm seeing people throw this, like ask those questions. If you're reading articles, ask. It'll also tell you a little bit of quality on the person you're working with. And are they up to date? Is their team up to date? Are they actually supporting you in a way that makes sense? Or are they running with something that worked 10 years ago and hoping it still works? Exactly, exactly. And it's one thing that uh, we do at Revenue Arc is the biggest thing we do is uh, beyond just obviously generating great results for our clients is the biggest thing that we focus on is let's educate our clients. The biggest thing that we do is we take our clients as soon as they sign, we walk them through a media and digital 101. It's enough information that you actually know what we're talking about instead of, you know, going like, it eh, sounds about right. We want you to be as educated or if not like even more educated than we are, because the ultimate idea is the transformation where theoretically, although we love our service and we think we're some of the best at it, if we all disappeared due to an alien invasion, you could literally pick up the pieces and you would be completely fine because you would know what we were doing. You would know what we were trying to achieve and you would know how to execute it. And that's what you really should be looking for from an agency is, are they not just educating themselves? Are they not just essentially enriching themselves with knowledge? Are they also enriching you with knowledge? And that's the biggest thing. I love that. And congrats on doing that. It's uh, I think value first business is amazing. And I think that that's, you know, that is how we get long-term customers, right? That there's a whole strategy and mindset there to why you do that. And when you're empowering your client base, it makes sense, right? And I think so often people get scared. Well, if I empower them, they'll leave. And it's like, they may, right? But at the end of the day, they don't have the team and wherewithal because that's not their business, right? Like if you're a small and medium business owner, right? The reason why you're talking to an agency or looking to outsource this piece or any other piece of your business is that's not your core competency, right? right? Now I love, and I want you to understand it because I agree, right? If that agency disappears, they go out of business, something happens. Um, you need to know how to put the pieces back together and at least clean up or take over wherever stuff was. Or a bigger thing is like, let's say you decide to move on to a different agency. You should have the ability to essentially keep the lights you know, keep everything moving until somebody else can come in. That's, you know, a, a huge aspect of something that you should be looking for, especially when it comes to just starting is, are you gaining that enough knowledge that you can keep the lights on if everything falls apart? Good stuff, man. Let's, uh, let's bring something you mentioned, uh, like early on too. So you talked about Yelp and, you know, it's hard, right? You can't have a conversation if you don't control it. Right. Yeah. So there are platforms where it's interesting, but I think the core message there is, and I love talking about directories is, you know, there's hundreds of directories. There's some you need to be on. There's some that are great to be on. There's some SEO advantages to it. But at the end of the day, if you haven't claimed the core directories and you're not actively responding to reviews, making sure your information's up to date, adding pictures, like you're not even in the conversation and God forbid there's a negative review you didn't reply to. Yeah, I think that that's kind of a big thing. And the other thing is within those negative reviews is be careful about your response. Think of it as you, imagine you came onto that site and you were like, oh, let me go through this Yelp page for this one uh, masonry company. And it's like, oh, these guys jack everything up. And then the response is, well, you weren't explaining it perfectly. It's like, all right, well, this guy's just combative. Like, whatever you do, I know it's your business. And it's, it's, it's important. It's something that you built from scratch. So when someone attacks it, it sucks. You want to fight back. But you have to think of the other customers that don't know you, who know nothing about you. If they come on there and they see a combative behavior... You don't want that. What you want to do is go, you know, have a very firm, but soft, but firm, but compassionate approach. So if you see a negative review, 
oh, we acknowledge that that's how you feel. Uh, we would like to talk to you about it, engage with the person and try to get them to, you know, potentially change. You're not actually trying to, and this is the one thing is you're not actually trying to, you know, engage with them to the point that they come and they eventually take it down. That's not the point. The point is you're showing that you're willing to try. And I think that that's a big thing. I remember my, um, my kids, uh, preschool, um, both his preschool and his daycare have had negative reviews on them. And they seem very like very unique circumstancy, but everything in their replies was we get it. That's something that we we've dealt with in the past. Why don't we talk about it? And that's, how it made me a little bit more reassured when I went to them is like, okay, they're, they're at least willing to hear you out because everyone wants to just be heard. And that's the biggest thing, especially when it comes to negative feedback. They wanna be heard, they had a bad situation, they wanna feel like someone was listening. And if you can listen to them and talk to them, that's all that matters. So it's sort of like a, I don't know, if you wanna like um, talk about Seinfeld, like you, you're looking for a bad breaker. You're looking for a good breaker upper. You don't want a bad breaker upper. It's like, oh my God, if you go with these people, you're gonna have a bad experience. And they're, they come on, they're like, I'll annihilate you. You don't want that experience. You want them to be nice. Cause at some point when you're working with a service, whatever that service is, you're gonna go through some level of a pain point, whether or not it's a full bad experience or just like some issue. And you wanna make sure that that's handled right. So you as the, as a business owner, need to think about that. Are people viewing me as like, when things go wrong, I can step in and everything will be made right and, I'll, and they will be made whole. Or if things go wrong, oh my God, it's World War III. And that's the thing you want to avoid. What about those negative reviews that are either fraudulent, aggressive, like the past employee reviews, the competitor trying to sabotage? Like, how, how do you deal with that? Same approach. So you either go, hey, we don't have necessarily, you should call them out to some degree that you don't have a record of them. Um, but don't be like, hey, you've never been here, WTF. You need to go in and go, we don't have a record of you being in here, but let's talk through this. Let's figure out what happened. I want to understand more. Please reach out to us. Then you're basically going to see that person is not going to reach out to you <laughs> and it's just going to disappear. The other thing is, and do understand this one fact. 60% of all internet traffic is fake. I know that seems bizarre, but literally 60%. You would be surprised the number of publications that literally most of their traffic is made up. They do not get that traffic. It all comes out of a couple of servers in Silicon Valley and overseas. Um, but, you know, it's something you have to deal with. And so you still need to deal with them the same way, but you should call out to a degree that it is probably fraudulent. Um, one thing that I always saw on, uh, I, I work with a personality on TikTok and one of the things they deal with is like people who come onto their site or their, their page and they're like, hey, I don't agree with your political views, what have you. And whenever the person posts political views, although that's not their, their prime source of business. Uh, and I told them, you should have fun with this because clearly some of those are bots or, or trolls or what have you just go, Hey, like, I appreciate this. I'm going to give this a six out of 10 in terms of fake trollness. Like, and if yeah. you have a little bit of humor with it, people laugh and then they go, okay, I'm going to disregard that. So it's either you should use either humor or attack it directly, but be compassionate about it. I love that advice. It, it, it is something we have to talk about though, because I know I've seen it on my own companies and I've seen it on client companies. We had one last week actually where, you know, a husband and wife attacked a staffing agency because, you know, they didn't get their overtime pay. And all of a sudden it was just negative reviews everywhere. And it yeah. was like, and it was interesting is the Google one was under a total fake account. I don't remember what celebrity they used, but it was like some celebrity name, and, you know, same thing. And they were like freaking out. And I said, guys, this isn't that big of a deal, right? right? Just reply to it and say, Hey, you know, we'd love to help out, but don't have a record of XYZ working for us. Uh, go ahead and give us a call and we'll help resolve this matter. And that's it. Yeah. Right? Because now it's like, look, I I'm trying to help you, but I can't, I can't match up the fact that Will Smith didn't work for my staffing agency, you know, or whatever. It's like, you gotta, I agree. Like, but don't, don't be aggressive with it. Cause it's never a good look. No, it's not. And it'll end up having a pretty strong blowback. Perfect. So let's talk SEO. So it's, it's something that I still think is the elephant in a lot of rooms. I still think yeah. businesses are struggling to understand it, which makes complete sense. Um, you know, what are one or two takeaways or things people need to know or think about when it comes to either 
you know, outsourcing SEO or trying to understand it? So the biggest thing is you need, this is one of the cases where you actually do need an expert in the field. Um, it's not, it's, it's a difficult process to understand everything from meta tags to backlinks. A lot of that is a lot of heavy work that you're going to have to do. Not so much meta tags. It's not that complicated, but getting backlinks, which basically is getting a link to an article on your site from somebody else or to your site in general on a different site, which essentially boosts your ranking within Google. It's one thing that you do have to work on it with an expert. It's however, don't use some sort of tool that you have to pay for online if they don't work. Um, the best thing I example I can give is worked with an attorney on, on the west side of Los Angeles and she had a site, it was a beautiful site. It was all well done. And she's like, I pay for this one thing through um, one of these site builders, I'm not gonna mention who, that allows for automatic SEO improvement, which it's impossible because the Google algorithm is kept lock and key. Literally, I think it's like five to 10 people know what it is. Um, and they're changing it all the time. So basically what I did was I went in, I got rid of that. Um, and then I added in some light meta tagging. Um, it was just, it was just some, uh, a quick job for us. We, we did some meta tagging, we cleaned up the site. We uh, then helped her pitch out to get some of the backlinks to from other legal sources. And she automatically was number one, literally. It was all, but I think it took roughly seven hours to go from all the effort finishing it and then her be going from page like 14 to number one for a couple of key terms. And that's like very basic. So the biggest thing is just rely with experts um, and somebody who's actually gonna walk you through what everything means. They're actually gonna to explain to you what meta tag is. They're gonna to explain to you what backlink is. They're gonna to explain to you why you need a blog and, and go through all that. But it is, it is work. So it's not something to be taken lightly. It's a lot of work, you know? And, and I, I forgot who I was talking to, but I gave the example, like I had a credit union we worked with and they were using a really well-known large online marketing agency. And, uh, you know, they were paying like a, a chunk of chunk of money and they were doing PPC. And I mean, it was like, I looked at it, it was like, oh, that's a big spend. And I said, hey, you know, send me the report. Let's dig in because they said they're happy. And we get the reports and they were ranking for like Credit Union Spanish Springs, right? Which is like a suburb of a suburb of a city that no one actually looks at. So yeah, you rank first for this like pond, right? For this, for this, for this not even zip code, right? Like, yeah. okay, cool. It's irrelevant. And then when you look at the main city, like you were trying to look in this case, right? Credit Union Reno is where they were based out of. They, they weren't even like, they weren't even there. I said, guys, this is what's happened. And if you look at your optimization, you'll see what they did is they're showing you all these number one rankings for irrelevant search terms that have no search volume. So no wonder why you're not getting any conversions. And because you're not ranking for stuff that's actually searched, your PPC is also not performing to the best degree that it could. So here's the cause and effect. So it's one of those things where like, it, it, you need to work with a reputable, cause it can be expensive. You need to work with a reputable company. And yes, this is something that I don't think this is a DIY. Like sure, no. if you're using WordPress and you want to install something and do some meta tags, great. Okay, fine, that's better than not. But like yeah. when it comes to actually looking at header tags and alt tags and pictures and backlinks and all these other things, you know, like work with someone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also check, like check whatever data they're giving you because the, the power is within the data. And that's the thing. It's like, if somebody is giving you a report and they're like, here's how great you're doing in this, go like, that's great. But if they're not giving you the data you want, they probably have that data. They just don't want to show you because they want to show you how much of a poor job they're doing. So that's something you need to absolutely insist on every single time. So what sets, what sets a business apart, right? So if, if there's four attorneys and they're all going to do online marketing, like how do you do better? Like what, what's going to set you apart from the other company who's also hiring another agency? Like what's so, a trip or something they could do? So you have to, the easiest way to do it is identify the profile of the person you want to target. So if you're like, Hey, we are in, uh, you know, um, 
trusts in the states. You know, like, okay, well, we we really want, you know, we're a trust in the state um, law firm. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to be the the number one um, searched uh, law firm for for that within the greater Seattle area or the greater Denver area, what have you. The first instinct should be, okay, let me work with an agency that understands that, that understands that this is sort of who our personality is. And especially if they have anyone on staff who's gone through the process of getting an estate set up, that's pretty key because they will actually know themselves how they sort of ended up with their team. Um, And then sort of go through the journey and the user flow. So figure out the ideal consumer flow and then sort of work your way back. But all these sort of like strategic thought processes are going to essentially what sets you apart. Because if you have a billion different guys in the room who are going like, hey, we're going to be the number one, we're going to be number one, we're going to be number one, obviously you're not going to be number one. So the idea is if they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go after everyone who's uh, males 49 to 54, like this is the key demo and this is what we're going to really hit. Great. That will get you absolutely the worst performance in the universe. Please feel free to go on that. Do not follow their path. Instead, follow your path, which should be based on behavior. So what's the behavior of the person? Why are they normally looking for this? What's going to be a trigger point that's going to lead to conversion? What is the, like, the key moments and key aspects within somebody's life that ultimately lead to a conversion? And if that is age, great. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be based on behavior. I am not 49 to 54, uh, but I recently set up an estate because in a trust because I got a house and I have kids. Great reason to set that up. That is a great group to go after and potentially a group that hasn't been seized. And you have to figure out where the key metrics and the key data points that would ultimately indicate that that person is ready for that. And that's why you have to think about it is like, what are those key data points? So you need to be looking for an agency that really thinks what are all the key um, life events that would ultimately trigger someone converting for whatever your product might be? That's such a good answer because I, I love the marketing aspect when the agencies right, are marketing and saying, oh, we have the best conversion rates or we have the best this or we have the best that or the best strategy. You know, okay, it's great. But you're right. One, you have to understand your client, right? So, you know, if you want a free tool, go use the HubSpot buyer persona tool. And it's not... A, going to give you everything, but at least give you the concept of thinking through who's your client, right? Like yeah. who, who is spending money with you? It'll start asking some of those questions because you want to look at education, life events, gender, where do they live? I mean, there's so many pieces that can go into that. And then to your point, what are the triggers, right? So what are they, are they doing? Right? So I just did the exact same thing. Um, same thing because we bought and we're doing some other stuff and it's like, okay, great. So my trigger happened to be buying too. And I like to use those examples because we can get creative with marketing to people who have access to our clients as well. And I think that's where a lot of businesses fail is we're always trying to chase a client, but I like chasing groups of clients. So I love creative marketing where if we know that home buying might be a trigger for an estate setup, and we know that that's probably a true statement or there's a likely conversion rate there, then why aren't we going after realtors who are top producers and finding ways to have conversation or co-marketing with them, whether that's digital, in-person, doesn't matter, right? So kind of taking what you're saying, I I love that you have to understand the persona and and it can't just be, she, it's a female who's 35. Okay, cool. Like that's not enough, right? What about education? What about income? What about home ownership? What about kids? What about what about, what about? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to that. And it's, uh, it's something I, I did at a previous company. We had an incredible amount of data when it came to movie going habits. And our attitude was, well, we, I don't care if you're an 80 year old who wants to go see the latest Transformers, or if you're a 14 year old who wants to watch the latest, uh, you know, like a Victoria and a Dull, which is a, <laughs> a period piece by Focus Features. I just care that you're gonna pay like that's all you should care about. It doesn't matter what the person person looks like or how they be or their not how they behave, but how their personality seems on the surface. It matters what's it going on inside their head at that time. Are they going to be interested? It's like here, I'm going to set up something for you that you're already spending a ton of money on this house. You need to protect that for your kids. 
you need to protect that for yourself. And here's all the tax advantages and here's all the great things that you get with that. That's a great point to hit them. And then to your point, working with realtors, also working with real estate websites, working with uh, like a Zillow, doing advertising on Zillow for, you know, uh, essentially estate and explain to it in a short, simple, but, but compelling copy that allows you to go, Hey, you know, I never thought about it. I should, as I'm buying a house, I should be looking at, you know, setting up an, an estate and a trust to purchase that house because there's a tax advantage to that. And also my kids will be able to inherit it. Love that. It, and I think you're right. The other part of what you said, and you've said it a couple of times, a couple of ways is you have to understand the client life cycle, the buying process, the sales cycle, whatever terminology word you want to use to describe it, right? There's a lot of ways to look at it. But I like to talk about the client life cycle. Like when are they going to start their journey with your company, right? So what's the first impression? You know, is it a billboard on the highway? Is it a social ad? Is it a post? Is it a business card? Is it word of mouth, right? There's so many ways a client can get exposure to you, or in this case, right, a prospect, if we want to use terms, right? And then what's that prospect's journey, right? So are they going to do a search? Are they going to compare companies? Are they going to, if it's retail, are they going to come into your shop? If they're coming into your shop, what's the journey to visit you, right? What's the, the driving patterns to get there? What's the parking lot look like? What's the signage? Do they have fear of where to park and how to get in your building? Like you guys have yeah. to think through all fears, objections, and research that a prospect is going to be doing in order to convert. And the best marketing simply answers and touches on all of those touch points in the process. Yeah, exactly. Like if your parking lot is, if you have the best, and this is actually based on a real story for my, myself, is down the street from me in my old, my old apartment, there was the best Italian food on earth the absolute worst parking lot. It was like four spaces for a restaurant that held 40 people. And I was like, I'm never going. And everyone was like, no, but it's so good. And I was like, I would be willing to pay it. But literally, how am I going to park there? There's four spots. I'll never park. Or even getting out, I'm probably going to hit my car, which isn't worth the $400 bill for the $40, for the $40 pasta. So yeah, I completely agree. You have to think about not just the consumer's journey digitally or just through marketing efforts, but all the way, all the way until their card is out on the table or anything with them or anything in between. Yeah. And where are they making that decision? And I like to have the conversation too, on the marketing side of the house versus the sales side of the house versus the onboarding or production side of the house. Like all three have to communicate because the best marketing with horrible sales doesn't equal more revenue, Right. The best yeah. sales with horrible marketing probably equals a pretty dry pipeline unless you have the best cold callers on your team. And neither of those are going to work if you have no clue how to onboard clients and actually service what you promised, right? So never go out there and, and try to drive revenue by promising something that's unreal or unattainable because at some point you're going to end up with a horrible reputation whether that's in person or online. So, you know, my advice is, you know, if you're going to look digital and you're, and that's a piece of your marketing puzzle, you're going to add, which there's rare cases where that doesn't make sense. Right. Make sure you understand the sales process that you're going to work those leads through. And then the onboarding process as well, right? That's obviously more of a service driven analogy, but you can think of that in retail as well, right? What's the experience going to be when they show up to your shop? Do you have staff? Do you have the ability to get them through? How are you doing payment processing? What's their experience? Can you take their Amex? Like, like think through the customer journey and let's make sure that we actually have a product worth marketing. We have a cycle and way to convert them. And then let's ramp digital up to, you know, pour hot sauce on it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk paid ads. Um, you know, if you're doing pay-per-click, if we're doing, I, well, there's a lot of ways you could pay online. So if someone were to look at spending money for online advertising, you know, what are their options? Do you have any recommendations? Yeah. So Whatever you do in terms of digital advertising, whether or not it's, um, yeah, everything from search, so PPC, uh, or if you're going to be doing social ads or run what's called programmatic, which are those, you know, running digitally where you're seeing those banners or, or video ads that interrupt your experience, but are very effective. Uh, the thing that you need to think is, how is that being combined with my overall art? arching marketing efforts because marketing in itself, if you're just like, I'm going to put out all these great ads, 
but there's nothing behind it, you can only achieve so much success. The whole point of digital advertising isn't like the only key to your success. It's gonna amplify everything you have. So think of it like a superpower, if you will. Like it's only gonna amplify what you already have. It's not like it's gonna have your, um, if you have no messaging and market, it's gonna be like, oh, hey, we, we increase conversions by 10% instead of by 10X. So a good PR story can get amplified using digital marketing. Um, and you would use that using targeting on social media, specifically on Twitter. It's a big, um, it's a pretty heavy site when it comes to news consumption. And that, what I mean by that is think about how are they experiencing the ad? And is that where your audience is? Um, a, big, a big problem that a lot of people think is like, oh, I just need to make sure I'm on Facebook or I just need to make sure I'm doing this or that. It's like, great, but your audience isn't on Facebook or they have a Facebook account, they check every once in a while and then they click out and that's it. Or, but cause you're going after 18 to 25 year olds and they're all on TikTok. It's just like, then you should be on TikTok. There are all these great self-serving advertising tools that are fantastic when it comes to this. So in terms of picking and choosing where you're ultimately going to be advertising, it should be wherever your audience is. And that's based on just a general hypothesis of where you think your audience will be. I love that. And again, we, no matter how many ways we try to talk, tackle it, we're always going to end up on where's your audience and who are they, right? Yeah. No matter how many ways we look at it, what's the best advice? The, the best advice is get in front of your audience where they are, create compelling messaging, right? And then let's make sure that we're driving them somewhere that's actually going to convert because you can't have the worst website on the planet and expect any of that to work. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you should look, if your website and go like, ah, I could look better, make it look better. Jesus. Like you can't, and it's not that hard. And if anyone's quoting you now, if you're ha have a heavy e-commerce site and there's a lot of programming that needs to go into it, those can be fairly pricey. But if you're like, this is basically just a page that's ultimately going to just drive people to ultimately do a click to call or what have you, it's not that expensive to set up. And whoever you're talking to should reflect that. The actual cost to set up a beautiful website are surprisingly affordable. And there's so many tools. If you actually want to do it yourself and dedicate yourself to building it out, you can do that yourself. There's a slew of services that'll let you do that. Um, the, the other big key factor when it comes to trying to figure out where to advertise is how are they going to ultimately experience the final destination? So if it's like, okay, well, we have this website, it's fantastic. And we're going to be advertising these people on TikTok because it's young, they click the site and they go to the site and it's not mobily optimized. Well, they're not going to stay. They're going to bounce immediately. So just think about the, always go back to who's the audience and what is their journey in the entire process. What's uh? can you give us an example of maybe a, a case study that started horrid, like just a really challenging situation and then kind of what that ended up on? I'd, I'd love to hear that journey and maybe why it worked or what some takeaways or things you learned. Sure. So one case study that comes to mind, which we're still in the middle of because it's a very long campaign. So we're in the middle of year two. Um, is this basically this very long campaign that we took over for another agency. They had been like, okay, we're going to drive, it was for um, a subscription video service. And they're like, we're gonna come in and we're gonna drive a crazy amount of subscription. And they did initially, but then PR efforts start laying back and everything started laying back and just started doing this sort of this nosedive. And then my agency came in and they're like, what do we do to prevent this from going into absolute zero? And I was like, well, here's what you do. You advertise, like, who's your personality? And we did this, it was it went really well. And they're like, well, how do we prove that it's your performance and not just the PR that you recommended us doing? And I was like, just turn us off. And they were like, what do you mean turn us off? And I was like, if you don't believe it's working, turn us off, let's see what happens. And they did. And they started losing, they actually went so, so low that they actually went negative. They started losing more people than gaining. Um, so they were at like a slow, slow but steady increase before we came in, uh, or sorry, there was a slow but uh, say decrease uh, before we came in. When we came in, they started plateauing and started going up. Uh, and then when we, uh, they turned us off, it literally went to negative where they started losing people and fast. They turned us back on, 
And then we started going up and slowly but steadily started creeping up and up and up. And then they're like, well, you're going up, but it's not fast enough. And I was like, you have to give it time because even though it's digitally, even though it moves very quickly, it still takes time for the algorithms to figure it out. And sure enough, two weeks later, we went from uh, an install rate of, I think it was like 20 or 30 a day to 1700 uh, within a two week period, right around that time I made that statement. And then they've been in the, the thousands ever since. And that's the thing that they really need to wait is wait for the, essentially the, the algorithm, which is really just the machine learning to the, to learn exactly how to, how and when to market your efforts. That's, thank you for that case study. There's again, a lot of takeaways and lessons there, right? I think that time is critical and, you know, I, I think there are ways you're going to see quick impact, but there's also times and strategies where you need to commit to the process, right? And you need to be okay with it. And sometimes those really fast ramp up processes might not be sustainable in a digital place because maybe they were done in a way that is going to have a horrible impact on you later, right? Because the last thing you want is if your website gets blacklisted, which we won't get into the full details, good yeah. luck right? Like, like good luck undoing the damage. So like, be careful and then commit to it. You know, I think that the, your example of that upside of just really having the conversation, but I, I applaud you for being willing to say like, Hey, let's just stop it. Like, let's just, let's just not put any effort in and let's see what happens because that's going to be the best gauge for you and I, right? Like it'll be good. Let's create a conversation around it. And if it starts to decline, it's like, okay, cool. Now we can see where the absence of what we're doing for you, you know, actually was helping. Yeah. And then that that's literally what our entire takeaway was. And our entire purpose was, hey, like at the end of the day, you want us to absolutely prove that we are actually having the impact. We are, you're investing an incredible amount of money with us. Well, let's prove that that's working. And by doing so, just take us out of the market for a minute so that you actually know that we're having an impact beyond the click. And that's the other thing I do want to mention. The love of God, do not focus on, everything's not based on click-through rate. It's not a great metric. Most people will tell you, do not click ads. So people have it in their heads that they click ads, they're going to get viruses. So most people don't click ads. Your metric that you should be focusing in on are things like uh, video completion rate. Are they actually finishing the video that you're watching or uh, engagement and engaging with the ad somehow? Or uh, was it actually in view? And then... On the other side, if you're doing your tracking right, which hopefully you are, you can actually see that they're actually converting at the other end. Because most of the time, what the actual journey is for a lot of sort of the overarching, which is not the standard, which isn't, it's standard, but it's not the absolute, everyone does this process is you see an ad, you then search on it in Google. So you need some level of attribution to see where all the key touch points that that person saw that ad. I like that too. And that's, and that's great advice. I, you know, I do a lot of sales coaching and I like to talk about the search during this, the buy cycle, right? Especially in the service sector, if you're going to give someone a proposal, um, especially if you haven't confirmed, if it's one decision maker or more, your company and your industry is going to be searched between the time that proposal was delivered and the time that they signed that proposal, unless you're an amazing salesperson and you did a great job because they're going to validate is everything you told me real right? Who else could I shop with? What's your price point? Does it make sense? Who else is in the market, right? What's the average term of service, right? They're going to look at some of this stuff, or if there's something in there that seems off to them, they're going to want to validate it. And you want to make sure that as they're going through the validation process, no matter where they go to validate, you're part of the conversation, right? And I think that's something you guys need to think about, especially if you have a, if a bulk of your business is a large or long-term buy cycle, you have to pay attention to that because you have a lot of opportunity to lose people in the buy cycle. We have to make sure that if YouTube's where they like to go, we have conversation. If TikTok's where they like to go, we have conversation, right? Let's make sure that we're able to converse with them through the buy cycle. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. So let's talk business, um, right? You, you have your own business. It looks like you've done quite a few different things over the years, a lot in the same sector. Um, I always like to just ask people, like, what's a lesson you've learned on your journey that you would want someone to hear and not have to go through? <laughs> There's a few, but if I had a simple uh, pick one, it's that 
all concepts are simple once they're explained. So a good example of that is digital marketing itself, uh, digital, specifically digital advertising. You'll hear an incredible amount of different acronyms and different words being used where you're like, what is this? I don't understand. What's a CPM? Why does the C, why is the CPC so high on this? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like it's a lot of um, curiosity, just ask questions. So if you ask questions, it starts, you know, removing the veil of mystery around it. And it starts becoming really obvious what, what it all means. Um, I've been doing digital, uh, digital marketing for a very long time. I've actually been doing since the nineties. Um, I built my first website uh, when I was a kid um, on the back of GeoCities, which is probably aging and dating myself quite a bit. Uh, and I, I did that. And then I also integrated early, what's called early AdSense, uh, or it's early form of AdSense, which was an old ad tech technology that served ads. I did all that. And I've been doing some level of it ever since. So it's funny because people will be like, oh, when did you graduate? I was like, oh, I graduated this, this year. And people will be like, oh, so how many years of experience do you have? I was like, that plus eight years. <laughs> like, so um, yeah, I think it's, in that entire experience, it's that digital sounds scary. It sounds complicated. It's really, really, really simple. It's just a lot of terms you have to get used to. Like an impression, what's an impression? It's just an, every time an ad is shown, it's, a, it's nothing more to it. Every time an ad is shown, it doesn't matter how many people. I love that advice. And I, and I love it from like a legal standpoint too, right? Like the, the legal profession has done really well at making things complicated and sound long by using big ass words so that you pay them and they have a job, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I love that advice of like, just ask questions, be curious. I think that's such sage advice, whether you're growing a career or a business, trying to learn something new, like it's okay. Like it's okay yeah. to ask and dig in. It's perfectly acceptable. It's completely acceptable. Uh, I, I would ask at my, one of my previous jobs, I, I asked my, my attorney probably an annoying amount of questions, but because of that, I actually know how to write an entire contract from scratch. Like that, that's kind of, and I also know where to look for like key things where you can get screwed, you know, screwed for a deal. And I think that asking those questions from everyone that you work with and everyone that you want to talk to is really, really, really key to success. That and know your client like they know themselves. If you know your client well enough, you can figure out what their key pain point is and that, and how to solve that with your company. So when I was working in travel, I got to know everything about hoteliers. I knew everything about tourism boards. I knew everything about um, airlines and exactly where the main key pain points are for marketing and their marketing efforts. And that helped when I was at Lonely Planet or for the movie for the movie studio business when I was at Movio or where wherever I've worked, I've always been like, let me understand the industry inside and out so they understand my clients inside and out so I can facilitate and service them the best. Because if you can't service your clients like they want to be serviced, you're going to lose them to the cheapest bid. I love that. And understanding the lingo, the terminology. Oh, yeah. The, like there's it's so critical there. You know, we did a lot in the childcare space that became our biggest niche. And, you know, it was important to understand, you know, and we, we actually went into classes with some of the best mentors in that space, just so that we could understand, like, what are their pain points? What are these handbooks and workbooks? What, like, oh, tours, tours drive the whole industry. Cool. So now we need to understand what's their conversion rate. How do they get them in? When they answer the phone, do they give out pay rates? Do they not? Blah, 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 blah. Right. But the more we got to know all that, the better of a resource we were because every childcare or daycare we onboarded, we could speak the language. We understood their frustration. We knew their typical growth patterns, right? Like, do they add another center? If so, how many kids, blah, blah, you know? So I love that advice and like be actually curious and like dig in. Yeah. Dig in as if it's your own business, because if you can become the subject matter expert for your industry on that industry. So if it's just like in, Speaking from my own experience, if you're in advertising and you're the subject matter expert when it comes to travel or entertainment, then people will start relying on you and you have the stickiness to you that people are like, oh, well, you have to work with them because they already know what they're talking about. You want that problem to have and it makes it'll make life a lot easier. Awesome. 
What about uh, either best book someone should read and or podcast, whatever direction you go? I don't know which way you like to consume knowledge. Uh, I generally like to go uh, down podcasts um, just because it, yeah, I used to have a very long commute, so I listen to quite a few podcasts. Um, it has nothing to do with the industry, but it will completely change your mind about how things work. Uh, which is 99% invisible. Uh, it's about, it's just, it's about design. It has nothing to do with advertising, but because of their, um, how they explain things and because of the thought process that goes into it, it actually will rework your mind so that you can have a completely different view around the built world. And because of that, you then have a completely different mind around pretty much every single industry and how it functions. Awesome. Thank you for that. I, I've never heard of it, so I'm going to check it out too. Yeah. Well, I always like to ask the question because there's we all learn from so many different ways, places, and people, and it all has a different impact. So I love that. We're right at the end now. Before we wrap up, any other words of advice you would give to someone who's looking at you know, expanding their digital or, or online advertising, doing anything in this space, anything we haven't covered that you feel you know needs to be said? Yeah, it's coming up with the voice. That's probably going to be absolutely key to any sort of um, presence is ha figure out what do you want your your messaging to sound like if it's coming out of somebody's face. So it's like, well, we want to be author uh, you know, authoritative and we want to be direct and we want to be uh, firm. It's like, okay, well, that's, that's your voice and own that and hone it. Um, because if you don't have a voice and you're basically going like, well, it's, I'm just going to respond as I, as it comes, it's, no one's going to understand who you are in the world and they won't, you won't be able to get that trust from your clients. Um, it also helps, especially when it comes to social media, because you should a definitely have a social media presence on everything from TikTok to Twitter to, um, Facebook, uh, especially TikTok as of late and have it personable, but just make sure that you have that voice. Like imagine you're talking to not an audience of a thousand people, you're talking to literally your client right there and just have a conversation. And, but as long as you have that voice figured out, everything's much easier. And it's also kind of building on that. And that's, I haven't heard that advice yet on a marketing call. So thank you. Um, but it is critical because especially if you're going to outsource or have your team contribute to the marketing efforts or content, they need to understand what that needs to sound like, right? Are we fun and light? Are we direct? Are we blunt? Are we sarcastic? Like, and all those things are, are awesome because if that aligns with your company culture, that's important. So yeah. love that and, advice. Yeah. And it'll, it'll make everything unified. And then that just amplifies the marketing efforts uh, therein. Awesome, man. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. I, I, there's so many good takeaways here and hopefully people, you know, at least one piece of this will either save them time or money or inspire them to do something different. Uh, again, thank you for your time and effort. Below this video will be links uh, to Andrew's social accounts and places that he wants you to connect with him. There'll also be a click here. If you click that button, it'll pull up name and email and a message. You can reach out to Andrew, ask him additional questions, reach out to schedule a meeting or whatever makes sense for you. Um, Andrew, again, thanks for your time, man. All right. Thank you so much.